If you're 60 years old today, there's a good chance you'll live to 100. Are you prepared? Welcome to Your Longest Life, the podcast all about exploring how we can live our best life as we age. Here's your host, Ian Thompson. Well, welcome to Your Longest Life, the podcast about living to 100 and beyond. And this is Ian Thompson. And today my guest is uh, Karen Henderson, the founder of the Long-Term Care Planning Network. Karen, good morning. Good morning to you. I should say afternoon. Yeah, I was just going. I was just going to say that because it certainly is afternoon here. <laughs> yeah, you're joining us from Toronto today, so so welcome. First, a bit of background here uh, for Karen. As a result of a challenging 14-year dementia care experience, Karen founded the Long-Term Care Planning Network, Canada's leading on and offline resource center for aging and long-term care. And her seminar series, elder care websites, newsletters, TV video series and long-term care planner are internationally recognized as key aging and long-term care educational and resource tools. So you certainly have the experience that we're looking for to talk about this topic today. And the reason Karen is, is joining us is because of an article we saw, I saw in the Globe and Mail about the National Institute on Aging at Ryerson University had done a survey of approximately 1,500 adults and found that 60% had changed their mind about arranging for themselves or a loved one to move into a nursing home. And at 65 or older, 70% had changed their mind. Uh, now, are you finding that, Karen, in your in your work? Um, well, my work, the consulting part of my work has obviously slowed down a great deal because um, in-home person-to-person consulting is not happening. However, uh, the people that I have spoken with in casual conversation all agree that uh, long-term care in this country is a nightmare and that um, logically it makes sense to be able to, if possible, remain in your own home and age there uh, for as absolutely long as possible because it's the safest place to be. And so your your work in dementia care, did that help you point you in this direction? Is that how you got started in this endeavor? Well, I was a dementia caregiver for my father for 14 years. Okay. And uh, 25 years ago, there were very few resources available and certainly nothing online. So the experience drove me to create on and off uh, the resource center that I have called the Caregiver Network. I then amalgamated that with several other sites I developed into the Long-Term Care Planning Network to educate both Canadian families and their professional advisors about the impact of needing care on personal, professional, and family well-being. But with respect to the dementia care experience itself, um, that allowed me to experience firsthand what family caregivers go through Mm -hmm. and the shortcomings of the healthcare system uh, right from home care through to palliative care or end of life which have now have been blown wide open by COVID. So my dad died in long-term care 20 years ago from the flu. And not only were things um, unacceptable then, but they are beyond unacceptable now. Hence the push from the survey for people to think, gee, I should just stay home or get my parents to stay home longer. But that's, I mean, that's one thing to say, but yet to actually make that happen can be quite a challenge. 
Well, it um, it certainly is uh, most, you know, as the survey says that almost 100% of people over 65 plan to age in their own homes, as opposed to moving to a retirement home or a long term care facility. But um, this does not happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. without planning. And COVID has ch- certainly changed the way people feel that because Canadians are aware of the deaths in long-term care, they no longer trust care homes, feel that they won't be safe there. And so they're, they're now turning to the reality of remaining in their own home. And, and do you find there's a difference between, you know, the, the long-term care private versus government? Well, this is where it's a little bit different across Canada. In the province of Ontario, we do not have private versus government. So every long-term care facility in Ontario is uh, can be owned by different organizations, but all, it, all of them are legislated by the province. The rates are legislated by the province. Mm-hmm. Whereas in BC, you have a different situation where you mm-hmm. do have private long-term care homes. The only private ones we would have would be those that are designed for dementia care only. Right. Okay. And we have, we have very few of those and they are extremely expensive. Yes. Is it fair to say that then in a private home, the care is going to be better? Or is that just a naive assumption that I would make that I'm going to pay 6000 instead of 3000 So my expectation is better. Um, well, every family is different. Every situation is different. And so there is no way of saying that care in the home would be better than care in a, let's say a retirement home. Uh, There's many contingencies that one has to look at. One has to look at the physical plant itself, the home. One has to look at the condition of the individual who wishes to stay at home. One needs to look at what family supports are there. One needs to look at the money available to pay for home care in the home should it be required. So there's a whole lot of variables that need to be taken into account. And this is what your role is, like, let's not, you know, outside of COVID, then you're like a consultant for people to navigate this. Yes, yes. Uh, When I work with families, I work in usually a few different areas. Uh, One of them is uh, I work with a family who has a, a, a loved one with dementia. I work with families who are trying to make accommodation decisions. And I also work with families who want to keep mom or dad at home and need help doing that. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there's a big role for family members to play. There, there is a huge role for family members to play, and it can be positive and it can be negative. If there is a good communication between uh, parents and adult children, Everybody understands what everybody else wants and is prepared to work towards that. It can work very, very well. However, if um, adult children are determined that mom or dad move and leave the home, then it can be catastrophic. Mm. Because there's no agreement on the, uh, the side of the adult. And the only way legally that a family can move an individual out of their home is if they have been declared mentally incompetent. Otherwise, uh, that uh, older individual has every right to remain in their own home. And it's what we call dignity of risk. 
And that means that an older adult is free to live in their own home uh, and free to fall and break their hip if that's what happens, as long as they are cognitively sound. And families have a great deal of trouble with this. If they see mom and dad who've had a fall, uh, a second fall, and they see the writing on the wall, they want to move mom and dad, but mom and dad aren't going anywhere and they don't have to because they are uh, cognitively sound. It's their right uh, to face this risk if they so wish to do so. Boy, this is hitting close to home. I have personal experience with that, uh, of, of what that's like. And certainly everybody has the best intentions, don't we? We all, we want what's best for mom and dad. Absolutely. You know, we're not coming at it from any other direction than that's what we, that's what we think. Um, is, is cost a reason why people are afraid to move, to make a decision? Like, do you think they're overestimating what it's going to cost? Um, it depends on the individual. Um, for example, if someone wants to stay at home and they need 10 hours of care, at let's say $30 an hour, so that's $300 a day or $9,000 a month, it could be uh, less expensive to move. One way to offset home care costs, which you're familiar with, would be to take out a reverse mortgage of one's home. This is not uh, a suitable decision for everyone and definitely requires legal advice and support if this is to be considered. So home care, uh, having said that, I had a um, a relative, a dear friend. No, I'm sorry, a dear friend down the street who wanted to die at home, and his family hired 24/7 caregivers. So there was two gentlemen there, 12-hour shifts, seven days a week. And five years ago, it was $10,000 a month. Wow. Most Canadians have no idea how how much home care can cost. And if you're lucky enough to get it. So regardless of how much money you have, it's just maybe not available where you are. Well, we look what's happened with COVID. We've got all of these personal support workers who uh, have either fallen ill working in homes or uh, who refuse to put themselves at risk. And so that makes it more difficult for everybody to find home care, whether you are in your own home or whether you are in a retirement or a long-term care home. Staffing is absolutely crucial and it is in a it is at a very acute state right now. Which is why more people are answering this survey thinking, hey, wait a minute now, I want to stay home. I don't want to go into yeah. this home. That's one of the reasons, absolutely. So um, I've decided I'm going to stay home now that I'm going to do this in the first person. My spouse and I, let's say 75 years old, we want to stay. Are there, you know, a list of eight or five or six things that are absolutely they have to do to make that happen? Well, I can, uh, Ian, I can give you some questions that should be asked. This, These are just a few. Okay. But uh, the first, is my home situated so that I can easily get to my doctor, my drugstore, my grocery store, and so on? If no family members are living in my home, do they live nearby so that they can provide support? Could I renovate my home if necessary to make it more accessible and safe 
And possibly could I renovate so that I can live on one floor? And I stress this because falls kill uh, more than 5,000 seniors every year. And they are the main reason that people end up going into hospital and end up having to leave their own home. Falls. Falls. Another question. Uh, If I stop driving or I can't drive, is public transportation available to take me where I want to go and when I want to go there? Do I have the money to hire home care if and when it's required? Because we do know that provinces offer minimal subsidized care. So you are lucky to get two hours a day. And if you need 10 or 12 hours a day that we've mentioned earlier, that comes out of your own pocket. So cost is really the biggest reality check when deciding to live uh, at home, both in dollars and time spent by family members supporting the individual through visiting, uh, through personal care, through home upkeep, sorry, Mm -hmm. and so on. Um, Staying in one's home until the end of life definitely requires planning. It simply does not happen naturally. Uh, It requires um, planning, it requires financial planning, it requires adaptability to changing circumstances. And one of the most important things that one has to keep in mind is that if you want to stay at home, you have to learn to accept outside help. Hmm. And too many older people are unwilling to do this. And I know, Ian, that you mentioned this earlier and that uh, they say, I'm fine. I don't want any strangers in my home. Yes. And what ends up happening is that ultimately they allow nobody in their home. They have a fall. They need help. And it's too late. So how you mitigate this is you start very early with parents. And let's say you, you have a caregiver. You bring that caregiver into the home. You have tea with mom and dad. You sit and talk about how this individual is going to help mom and dad and how this individual is going to help you, the daughter, who can no longer spare all the time required to look after mom and dad. So the way you position it is that mom and dad are doing the daughter a favor by accepting outside help. So Mm -hmm. you start early, you get parents educated and accepting If you do not do this, if you wait too long, it will not happen. Agreed. I couldn't agree with you more. Yes. Um, But, you know, having said that, you know, when you, when you, we talk about let's start early, but I don't feel like I'm ready to talk (laughs) about this. And and you're laughing because you've heard that before. This is, this is a common. Well, everybody feels that. Um, Everybody feels that they don't need help. And that's the whole thing about accepting help. And so what you need to do is, okay, mom, if you don't feel ready right now, um, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to introduce you to Susan, who's going to come in. And when you are ready, these are the kinds of things that Susan is going to help you with. So you get mom comfortable with Susan or whoever. And oftentimes, before you know it, mom is saying, you know what? I think it's time that Susan comes in and help me because I know what she can do for me. And it's important to make sure that the senior understands that Susan or nobody is taking over her life. 
Mm. Susan is there to merely help. She still, mom still runs the show. And that's what older people are afraid of. They're afraid of losing control. They've lost, they may have lost friends. They may have lost a spouse. Mm-hmm. And they're hanging on to whatever control they can hang on to. You talk about losing a spouse. That's where it gets even harder then, where they're on their own now. Yes. The world is The world's getting smaller, isn't it? Well, when when an older couple are living together, um, it's it's pretty much assumed that they will look after each other, and they do. But when a spouse is left alone, it's a huge shock because they have always had each other to rely on, and now the spouse has that that person is gone, and mm-hmm. so this can be a very very traumatizing situation for the remaining spouse because their world has been turned upside down after fifty years. 80 mm-hmm. years and um, it takes some careful navigation to make sure that this individual is in the right place because home may no longer be the right place. And why, why I say that is, is because this individual now risks becoming socially isolated unless she has a very good support structure. And a lot of research has been going on and continues to go on about loneliness and social isolation with respect to older people. And it is worse than smoking uh, three packs of cigarettes a day. It is Mm. so damaging to both physical and mental health that professionals will do anything to try and relieve social isolation of an older individual. So help uh, staying connected outside of your bubble, we'll call it, your circle is so important. Yes. And that's why I say if you are living at home, you need to have transportation to go where you want to go. And you also need to be connected with your, your community center, your other centers for older people where they can go and have congregate dining. They can go and, and do communal activities and if they can't do it in person right now, at least they can do it on Zoom. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so very important that we all stay connected, particularly at this time, but most importantly for older Canadians. What uh, what government resources are there available to help people with renovations at home? I've made the decision. I've I've identified these things I need to do, but they cost money, and there are grants to help people. Every, uh, every province is different, and this is what makes it okay. so frustrating, Ian. Uh, I can't tell you um, one thing I found just as an example in British Columbia. Um, it's called the Home Adaptations for Independence, or HAFI mm-hmm. program, and it provides financial assistance in the form of a grant to eligible low-income households to complete home adaptations to live independently. But people really need to Google their own province and Google things like grants, home adaptation programs. Um, Every province has a program to support um, assistive devices. And so there is help if you need to purchase a wheelchair or a walker or other things. But I wish I could say there was one central um, website for this, but there is not. 
And so that is that itself is a barrier to doing it. Yes, it? it is. It is a barrier. And that's why it helps to have a professional in your camp who is familiar with uh, what the provinces offer and where to go to get the information. Right. That makes sense. What would be the top three or four things someone would do to their home in order to stay there longer? What would they, would it be adaptations to the bathroom, perhaps handrails? Would there be other key? Uh, Well, again, it depends on the condition of the individual. If the individual is in a wheelchair, one of the very first things is a ramp up to the front door so that they can go in and out uh, comfortably and safely. Um, wider doorways, wider hallways. Um, but if there's, if that's not an issue, then to make a home safe, the two most dangerous rooms in the home are the bathroom, as you mentioned, and the mm-hmm. kitchen. And what you want to do in the bathroom is to make sure that you have adequate lighting, that you have uh, handrails by the toilet in the shower. You may want to have a shower seat in the shower, or you can actually carve out a hole in the bathtub so that you can go in and out without stepping over the edge. Yes. You can also have a raised toilet seat. And um, in the kitchen, what you want to do is make sure that your cupboards are accessible, that they're low enough, that you do not have to stand on a chair to get to high cupboards. You want to make sure, again, that the lighting is good. And you want to ensure that stairs are well lit, that edges of stairs are marked with tape, and that there are hand railings on both sides on all stairs, whether interior or exterior. You want to make sure that there are no electrical cords running around corners or on floors that can be caught by a foot. And you love those pretty little scatter rugs, but they are terribly dangerous because one slip heel and you're down. So there is a great many things that can be done. Um, The federal government has uh, a resource called, um, I think it's called Home Safe Home, that you can Google. And unfortunately, they used to give it out as a print book. They no longer do. You need to download it or read it online. Hmm. But it goes through every room in your house and it tells you how to make that room safe to avoid falls. And we already talked about how treacherous falls are. My dad lived at home and he had a housekeeper and he would not let me move anything in the den. He would not not let me um, move his chair. Remember Frazier's dad had a chair that was... um, hung together with duct tape. Well, my dad had a similar chair. They're too low and they take too much energy for an older person to stand up. But the other thing he wouldn't do would let me uh, move the scatter rug. One day he stood up, he caught his heel, he twisted, he broke his hip and he went down and he was never the same again. Hmm. So that's how serious falls are. And also, I would advise anyone to Google um, fall uh, prevention programs because every province has them. And they are well worth taking. One of the things that we're seeing, uh, 
I guess because of COVID, due to COVID, is families coming together again, where it used to be, it's typically been when I'm a certain age, I go and live over there. And then I'm a certain age, now I go and live over there, but not necessarily with my family, with my core unit. And, you know, we're seeing people, instead of giving the retirement home $5,000 a month, they're going to give half of that to their kids so they can buy a bigger house and get a ground level suite and, and stay home. You know, I still have a little garden. I still get to see the grandkids, that kind of thing. Might be, might be a consideration. You know, uh, staying, staying in family should always be the first consideration. Um, it's just the way it's, it's the way we should age. We do not, the, the long-term care facilities in this country are called warehouses or parking lots for the old. We should not have any of these built in the first place and we do not belong in them. We do not want to end our lives in a warehouse. Uh, unfortunately though, um, there are people who cannot uh, end their lives at home because they have Alzheimer's and their behaviors are too erratic or too dangerous for either themselves or the people around them. And the other person is the person who keeps falling, who needs 24 seven care and supervision. If a family cannot afford the $10,000 a month, then the obvious solution is to move into a long-term care home where they will get 24-7 care and supervision. And I will say that as horrific as the stories have been throughout COVID, there are some wonderful homes in this country. They do good work. I will um, champion not-for-profit homes, city-owned homes, municipal-owned homes, uh, charities, religious groups. Um they, they do great work and they struggle uh, with manpower, person power shortages, but their hearts are in the right place. And um, seniors often don't want to go into care, but when they get there, they often blossom. And then they blossom because they have social contact. They are eating three meals a day. They are getting their medications. And these were the things they weren't getting at home because they were too isolated. So it's a, it's, there's no simple answer. There's no template. What Canadians have to understand is they have to do their homework. They have to do their research. They have to understand the options in what I call the care continuum, which is the path that we take through the long-term care system, right from home and community care through to palliative or end-of-life care. Mm -hmm. And once you understand your options, Then you can sit down with your family, with your financial advisor, with your um, healthcare team, and make appropriate decisions. How does one know, uh, what's the right way to say that? How does one know uh, a one retirement home from another one? (laughs) How do I know this one, let's call it A, is better than B, is better than C, if if I'm doing my due diligence in advance for my parents? And, you know, I know my sister did this quite a, spent a long time doing this. Uh, are, are there things I'm looking for? Are there indicators? Is there? Well, let's, let's be very clear before we go there that there is a difference between a retirement home and a long-term care home. And most Canadians don't understand that. The long-term care homes are the ones that are mandated by the province that uh, uh, require uh, that you need 24-7 care and supervision And therefore, the people living there are ill. They are chronically ill. They are cognitively impaired. Retirement homes, on the other hand, 
uh, originally have been built for people who are well and independent. Okay. And um, they are privately owned. They're tenancy situations. So it's just like renting an apartment, only you're renting a unit in a retirement home, which provides your your accommodation, your meals, your housekeeping activities, and so on. So if we're looking at retirement homes, what you need to do is go online, first of all, save yourself a little bit of legwork, and look at them, read the reviews. But the best thing to do is to decide where you want to live. If you want to stay in your city, you want to stay in your neighborhood, pick three or four and then spend the time to go and visit them, have a meal, go at different times of the day to get a sense of the energy that may exist in the morning or the afternoon or the evening. Um, What's important to you? Is it important that you have a gourmet chef? Is it important to you that you have a swimming pool? Um, You need to know what makes your life happy when you are looking at retirement homes. And what I suggest you do is I've got something called the uh, Critical Illness and Long-Term Care Planner, which allows you to uh, compare facilities apples for apples Mm -hmm. so that you make sure you ask the same questions in every facility that you go into and you record your answers. Because at the end of the day, after you've seen three or four, you start to forget. I bet. And things kind of get hazy and gray and, oh, I can't remember if that one had the pool or if that one had the whatever. Um, I personally, because of COVID, would be very careful about the national chain owned for-profit homes, namely Sienna, Mm -hmm. uh, Chartwell, uh, Rivera, um, because they are having very, very bad trouble right now. And what you need to understand about these chains is that they are publicly owned and they have a responsibility to return profits to their shareholders. Yeah. So it, it, I, I would counsel anyone, regardless of whether you're looking at a retirement home or long-term care home, the first question is who owns it? Now, when we when you switch back to thank you, that was excellent. We switch back to the long term care home. That is, is that out of your control at that point? What do you mean? That means uh, I the my parents need long term care, not a retirement home. They yeah. need something more advanced. At that point, is that a government directed? Hey, this is where you're going to go, or I no. still have a choice. No, no. I mean, in in let's talk pre COVID. Um, we do not still have enough beds in this country for long-term care. And in in Ontario, we have about 38,000 people waiting on a list for long-term care pre-COVID. So the process is is that you go to your provincial organization. It might be a a district uh, health unit uh, in Ontario. It's a local health integration center. I'm just picking up my cat here. Oh, no, there And um, you then uh, fill out an application. And uh, as I said, you have to be, you have to apply and be accepted in a long-term care home because you need 24 seven care and supervision. You can't simply decide that you're gonna move into one of these. 
So you go to, in Ontario, the LIN, you fill out the paperwork, and then they will ask you to choose three to five facilities that okay. you will go on a wait list for. And so in order to do that, you need the best thing to do is to obviously visit them mm-hmm. and again, have a meal, uh, ask who owns it. Is it, is it a for-profit owned or is it owned by the city? And um, then you uh, have your name on these lists. And if you choose the most popular homes, it can take three to five years to get into one of them. If something happens and you are what we call an emergency placement, Mm -hmm. then you will get placed in any home where there is a bed. And the other thing is that there are varying levels of accommodation in long-term care homes. They range from ward level accommodation, which means there's at least three people in a room, Mm -hmm. to semi-private to private. And again, when you make your application, they will ask you what level of accommodation that you want that you can afford. Um, And if it turns out that a Canadian cannot afford a bed in long-term care, what the government will do will say, okay, we will subsidize a bed for you in a ward level room. And we will give you a comfort allowance of $100 a month, for example. And that way you can live out your life in a long-term care facility. Okay. So much, so many things to consider. There is. I'm giving you a great deal of information <laughs> in a very short period of time. Well, I mean, I sure appreciate the overview. is fantastic. And I, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. So kind of as a, a wrap up, I always, I like this line, you know, you eat elephant one bite at a time. What yeah. would be the first steps then for someone just to wrap it up now? Okay. I've decided to stay home. Um, and I need to do what next? Well, next? you need to, first of all, have the conversation with your family, if there family. is any, to make sure that everybody's on side. You need to be very objective about your own health. Am I safe? Am I healthy enough to remain in my own home? Uh, that uh, you should talk with your financial advisor to look at your financial situation with respect to affording any care that you may need within the home. And then you need to ask yourself the questions that we mentioned earlier about Mm -hmm. location, about the ability to live on one floor, about the um, transportation option. All of these things will play into a successful aging experience in one's own home. Fantastic. Thank you, Karen. I I sure appreciate your time. We've been talking to Karen Henderson from the uh, Long-Term Care Planning Network. What's the website address so people might want to check this uh, website out? It's uh, LTC for long-term care, Mm -hmm. ltcplanningnetwork.com. Planningnetwork.com. Well, that's great, Karen. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Ian. Thank you for asking. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Longest Life with Ian Thompson. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and share it with others. For more info, articles, and to get in touch with Ian, visit yourlongestlife.com.